that can bring us life, the only one that can do anything in our lives that is good. And right now, we just humbly come before you. We thank you. We thank you so much for who you are and what you've done for us. We thank you that you will never give up on us, that you are always there for us. Right now, I just pray for your Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. I pray that you will open our hearts and open our minds to what you want us to hear and see. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. You may be seated. Um, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Colossians today. I'm, I'm uh, going to kind of give an overview of Colossians, um, hopefully uh, be able to do that in a timely manner this morning. We have a few things going on after church. <clears throat> so we are going to have a meeting, a congregational meeting, right after church. Um, there will be a, t- a short amount of time where if you need to leave, um, you're more than welcome to leave, but uh, if you're planning on staying for that meeting, just stay where you're at. Uh, the elders uh, and myself are going to come up, and we're going to share a little bit about what's going on at Mercy Hill, um, just share some things that are um, uh, pretty exciting, and uh, we believe that God is moving us in a certain direction, but we just want to share that with the congregation. So if you're a partner, we'd love for you to uh, especially stay, but if, even if you're not a partner, Please stay and hear what uh, God is doing and, um, and just come together in prayer about um, as, as we share that. So as I said earlier, um, Colossians. Colossians, uh, specifically I want to I go to Colossians chapter 3. This is going to be kind of the, the, the pivot verse, if you will, or the anchor verse or whatever you want to call it. And um, I want to share this, this, this verse first. Um, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, starting in verse 1, it says, Since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Um, awesome piece of scripture. It's, it's been... Uh, Colossians, I've been kind of camping out there personally um, in the last couple weeks, <clears throat> month or so, and just been really um, just kind of massaging this in my own life. But uh, this morning, I just want to share, uh, really just want to share what, what God's laid on my heart. Um, this week's been an interesting week for me because uh, I work at a sports shop here in Berlin, and uh, we had to do inventory. Anybody ever have to do inventory? Inventory is not very fun because you have to go in and you have to physically count everything. You have to, uh, and, and we have a lot of fishing lures, um, a lot of fishing hooks, a lot of small things in the store that we have to physically go in and count. But uh, this morning, I, I would like to ask each and every one of us to kind of take a inventory, if you will, spiritually in our lives. A lot of us here know Jesus. A lot of us here have put our trust in Jesus. That's awesome. But I I think that sometimes we have to take a pause of life, if you will, and remember why we are saved. Remember what we're saved from, even. And so, I'd like to go back to the beginning of Colossians. Colossians 1. We're going to be kind of all over Colossians this morning, so uh, bear with me. But... uh, Paul starts off in Colossians. In verse 3 especially, he says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. 
because we, we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and the love that springs from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel. And so, I, you know, where, what is this hope that he talks about? It is Jesus. It brings us thankfulness. It brings us thanksgiving in our own hearts. But it, our hope is only in Jesus, only in Christ. That is it. There is no other hope outside of Jesus in reality. Uh, you know, we, we, can, we can say, well, you know, we can, we can hope that, man, our political system kind of holds on. We hope that the economy will hold on. We hope the Browns will win this year, right? Those are all fading hopes. Those are all hopes that mean absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of eternity. The only thing that we have true hope in is Jesus Christ. He is my only hope. It goes on in, in, in verse 15. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in all things hold together. You know, scientists are always, always trying to figure out the mysteries of the universe. Um, you know, I think one of the last uh, uh, telescopes that we, you know, sent out, uh, I think the Hubble telescope, just sent back all these, all these uh, images of galaxies and how big the world is. God is holding all those things. Jesus is holding all those things together just because of who he is, his perfectness. And then scientists are always, always trying to figure out the, the, you know, the, the invisible world too, the atoms and all of this little things, down to the smallest little mon mon molecule that is out there. Jesus is holding all those things together. It is really amazing if we start wrapping, trying to wrap our human mind around how awesome Jesus is. And I'm going to tell you today, Jesus is bigger than we could ever fathom. Jesus is, is, is more huger. <laughs> I don't know if that's, my wife will probably tell me that was not proper English afterwards, but it, it, it is something that we cannot wrap our minds around how big and huge Jesus is. And what has he done for us? Well, it goes on, it talks about how the fact that he comes, he comes even though he has all power and authority, he came to earth 2,000 years ago as a man. Holy man, holy, holy God. And he came to live a perfect life. And at the end of that perfect life, he goes to the cross. He goes to the cross because of my sin and your sin. He takes on what I deserve and what you deserve. And he dies a gruesome death. He dies a gruesome death. He, he, 
He is tortured. He is humiliated because of my sin. And even further than that, as he is drawing his last, last breath on the cross, he looks up in heaven and says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in that moment, never before has God, the Father, turns his back on God the Son so that my full punishment is resting on Jesus' shoulders in that moment. You see, my sin, according to the Bible, deserves, deserves punishment. It deserves death. And what does that mean? Well, it means there is a physical place that we call hell that is worse, far worse than we could ever think about in our human minds. True torture, true physical torture. And if you've grown up in church like me, you've heard, heard fire and brimstone most likely. And it, that's all true. But ultimately, what is, and all those things are, are, are terrible, but what's, what's the worst part about hell? There is an eternal existence without God, without any hope of getting to God, without any relationship there, that I will actually be eternally there as an enemy of God. Think about this world, and, and I was just sharing with this uh, with one of the co-workers but, uh, this week uh, at, at the store, and you think about hell in this terms. Think about how, how bad it can be sometimes in this world. You know, uh, we feel hopelessness at times, right? We, maybe, maybe someone's going through just some kind of depression. Um, uh, you know, there, people deal with that, but yet God's Spirit is still around us. God's Spirit is still moving in this world. Think about how, hopelessness it, how hopeless it is, how, how utterly dark it would be if you knew that God was never going to be around ever again. The depression that you would feel, the oppression, the, the, the just, the, the, oh my goodness, the hopelessness of never being able to have any hope in your life. That gives us just a, just a, a small picture of what hell will most likely be like. Once again, the physical side is true. But the, the agony of knowing that I will never, ever able to somehow get to God, I think far outweighs that. And honestly, guys, that, that's where we're headed. That, that is where we're headed without Jesus. There is absolutely no hope, no hope of reconciliation to God, no hope of a relationship to God without what Jesus has done for us and without us putting our trust in what he has done for us. As a believer in Jesus, as, as, as someone has put his trust in him, I, I'm just amazed that 
I don't have to go through that, even though I deserve it. It's something that we, we should be amazed by. It goes on in, in, in chapter 1, verse 20, it says that, and through him, Jesus, to re- reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or whether things on heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. He gave the perfect sacrifice himself so that I may have him. Once again, I don't ever want to take that lightly. I, I never want to take that for granted, that that's what Jesus did for me. And then Paul, he continues to talk through what all this means. And it, he, um, if we get into chapter 2, we get into chapter 2, specifically um, 6 and 7, he goes on and says, So then, just as we received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as we were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Once again, that word thankfulness is there. But, you know, we, we need to... De- as, as believers, we need to be dependent, to stay dependent on Jesus. Just as we are dependent on the fact that we need to be saved from our sin and we can't do it ourselves, there's absolutely nothing I can do. But Jesus has paid it all. He has done everything. I need to stay dependent on him. And even then, Paul, Paul goes in and he, he warns us. In verse 8, it says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies, which depends on human traditions and on the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. And it's so easy to slip into our lives. Um, I, I love the word hollow here. Uh, that's the NIV there. But it says hollow and deceptive. Um, I, uh, like most kids, anybody here get an Easter bunny, chocolate Easter bunny for, for uh, Easter, um, Easter mornings in your Easter basket? Uh, one year, I got an Easter bunny about like this big, and I was excited about it because I was thinking it was going to be like my grandma's um, chocolate that she used for baking that I would get into when I was at grandma's house, and you know, I would be able to gnaw on this big piece of chocolate that was hard and, and, and solid, and I was excited because I was, I was thinking in my mind, man, that, that's going to be an awesome Easter bunny to eat, but as soon as I took a big old bite out of that... It was hollow. Deception. It was hollow. There was nothing but air in that Easter bunny. And in, in, in this way, Paul was talking about these hollow and deceptive plans, these philosophies, these human traditions that people rely on rather than on Jesus. This area is notorious for relying on human traditions. And there's a lot of low-hanging fruit I could be talking about right now. But, uh, you know, it doesn't matter where you go in this world, be it Holmes County, be it halfway across the world, there's always going to be this temptation to 
rely on ourselves. And really, that, that's what these two things, these human philosophies, these human traditions, what do they have in common? It depends on man and elevates man and it minimizes Christ. It minimizes Jesus. And folks, we cannot do that. We have to fully know that it is only, as I said earlier, only Jesus that can save us. It is only Jesus that keeps my faith intact. It is nothing on my own. Nothing that I do will ever be able to keep me to the Lord. It is the saving grace that Jesus gives me. Even the fact of... of uh, me turning from my sins, right? How do I do that? I can only do that through the, the strength of Jesus. I can't do that on my own. I can't repent on my own. I have to have the Spirit of God doing something in my heart so that I can repent. What an awesome gift from God. Let us not take, take that for granted at all. It is so easy it is so easy to have those things come into our lives, though. And that's one reason I said, let's take, a, let's take an inventory of our lives, our spiritual lives. Is there anything in our lives, anything in my life, that is minimizing Christ and elevating mankind? If there is, I need to get rid of it. I need to go back to my full dependence of Jesus I want to land back here at, at the, uh, the verse I, I began with in uh, Colossians chapter 3. Since then, we have been raised with Christ. Where are we at right now? If you've put your trust in Jesus, if you have put your faith in Jesus, where are you at? You are with Jesus. When God looks at you, he doesn't see you and your sin. He sees Jesus in you. You are hidden in Jesus. Your life is now hidden in Jesus. That's what it says. Colossians 2.22, it says, We're without blemish, free from accusation because of Jesus. Our life is now in him. We are hidden in him. Colossians 1.12 says we have an inheritance. We are, no, we are no longer enemies of God because of what Jesus has done for us when we put our faith in him. But we are now part of God's kingdom. We are now part of his family. So many times we try to live out of, or so many times we try to, try to get to God, try to get to Jesus by the good things that we do. And honestly, guys, it never works. It never works if I am only on my own trying to do something good for God. I always fall on my face. Every single time. But when I'm living out of what Jesus has done for me, and my identity in him, who I am in Jesus, Ephesians says, we are God's workmanship created to do good works. 
This week, I had a, a privilege of uh, meeting my dad's cousin for the first time. And uh, we kind of hit it off. He, he's into history like I am. Uh, he's also into guns like I am. And um, he, makes, he makes rifles. He makes flintlock rifles from scratch, which is pretty cool. I'm pretty anxious to take dad and my brother over and see him. Um, he, lives, he lives over by Mansfield. But, you know, he, he was sharing about how long it takes him to make a rifle. Because he takes, he makes, you know, the, the lock stock and barrel. He makes it all from scratch. He takes a big hunk of wood and he turns it down. He does this and then he takes the barrel and he, 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 he does everything that needs to be, make this piece of metal into a barrel. And then he works on all the, all the little pieces to make the, the, the action, the flintlock actually work to make the gun go off. And he said it, it takes him at least two or three years to build these rifles. And he's won a couple awards for it. And um, he's made one for each of his sons. And uh, he was like, well, I'm, I'm done now. And his wife looked at him. She goes, no, no, I, I want you to make me one. And so he's in the process of making her one. But in that, in that conversation, he goes, you know, I, I asked her, he goes, you don't shoot rifles. Why in the world would you want a rifle? And she goes, I don't, you don't understand. Every morning, you're up at the kitchen table, and we both have our cups of coffee, and you're there working on this rifle. You're there making it turn into something. You're making it turn into a work of art. I don't really want the rifle. I want you. And every time when that rifle will be done, I will be able to touch that and have all, remember all these times I got to spend with you. And I will have this piece of work in my hand. You know, and, and folks, that, that's what God does with us. So many times we ask, well, why, why am I still struggling with this? Why am I having to go through this? Why, 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 why? It's honestly enriches and deepens my relationship with God when I struggle against things. And at the end of the day, I throw, throw it all to God and say, you know what? Jesus, you got it. And I have to rely on him to turn me into a piece of art. Turn, turn me into a, a, a workmanship. You know, in, in, in later verses here, and I, I would encourage you guys to read this on your own. But you know, it says, verse 5, it says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. There's absolutely no way I can do that on my own. The only way I can do that is out of what Jesus has done for me. And in, in his his perfectness in my identity in him. And it goes on, and then it talks about, as, as in verse 12, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bear with each other. And he goes on and on and on. And all of those things, all those things are, are Jesus, not me. And he is working and doing things in our lives because of the relationship that he has with us. So many times we want results in our own lives. Or maybe, maybe we just, you know, I don't want to go to hell. But the fact is, this relationship he gives us, this thing that he, he allows me to come into his presence 
and calls me his son because of what he has done for me is truly amazing. And we should never, ever, ever take it for granted. And I do truly believe this is what he's talking about here. As he says, as he says, since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. Set your minds on things above. It's no longer about these things around us, but it's more about him. Worship team, you can come on up. I, uh, a couple, couple months ago, I, had, I ran across a story of, um, of this guy that escaped North Korea. And it was a fascinating story. Um, North Korea, if you don't know, is, is a hardcore communist country. It is closed off to the rest of the world. And there is, there is a lot of, of ugliness and suffering in that country. <clears throat> this, this gentleman that, that finally escaped the country, and he literally had to escape. If, if you're going to leave, you have to escape. He um, actually hired a guy, and they, they, they crossed a river in, into China. But part of his story was that, you know, you, you, would, you would actually see people dying in his village from starvation. You would actually be walking along and all of a sudden there would be somebody and they would just drop dead, literally, from starvation. And that, that's really what compelled him to have to leave North Korea. He said, I have to get out of here, otherwise I'm going to die like that. But he was, he was sharing also just how poor they are. And, and um, he had a story about um, how he had dropped a... Uh, a bottle one day and it shattered and um, it was uh, it was you know he got in trouble from his dad because of that and and then he said he heard about these awesome bottles made out of plastic that were shatterproof and and he said he, he actually saw one one time in the market and it was it was such a high and escalated price on it and he said there's no way no way he could ever afford this, this, this shatterproof bottle, this amazing piece of technology. Well, as he was in the river, in this makeshift raft, and they had to pay guards off, and there was a long story behind this, but he's, he's almost on the banks of China, and he sees a bottle, a plastic bottle floating by. And he said the guide, he almost jumped in. He almost, he almost did it. He was like, that thing is so valuable. And the guide said, I forget his name, because look, that's a, tra- that's a piece of trash. There is trash cans full of these in China. Just wait. And the reason I share that story is, you know, how many times, how many times do we look at the trash of this world and get caught up in, in the things of this world, if you will? And we start thinking about a bottle, a plastic bottle, 
that is nothing but trash, rather than staying the course. Um, Conrad, you want to put that picture up? And I want to end with this picture. I've been um, walking, just trying to walk about every morning. And uh, this, this was, uh, I think, Tuesday morning. I, I, uh, I have a route that I usually go, and I'm usually, eh, about two, two and a half miles. I, d- I did about two and a half miles this morning in, in Millsburg. And uh, this is the cemetery in Millsburg. And you may say, why in the world would you walk through the cemetery? Well, it's got nice paths, for one thing. It's nice scenery. But it's a good way for me to start my day off. And you may say, what in the world? Why? That cemetery is full of once living people. They're no longer here on earth. Their vessels are, their bodies are gone. They're in the ground, decaying. And each and every, every, every tombstone has a name on there. Some names I recognize, some I don't. They have a birth date and an ending date. And here, while they're here on earth, you know, it, it does matter what we do. It does matter where our mind is in this world. In James, it says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, I'll go out and do this and do that. Why, you do not even know what will happen. What is your life? It is a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And you can see there's mist there. There's a bunch of fog. You can see that sun is starting to come up. And that fog is already starting to disappear. That's how quick our lives are in the grand scheme of eternity. If you have not put your trust in Jesus, I would implore you to, I beg you to think about it. Because the best things of this world is, is a crumpled up plastic bottle at best the best things that God has to offer is himself the relationship with the almighty God creator of the universe the one who holds all things together if you put your trust in him let's take inventory in that in our own lives and not take it for granted not ever take it for granted what he's done for us and what he continues to do in our lives. Let us set our hearts, let us set our minds on things above, not on these earthly things. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much. We thank you so, so, so much that you love us, that you care about us, that you are always doing things in our lives. We thank you that you have given us, uh, given us you, that we have a relationship with you, that we can call you Father. I am truly amazed by how many things you just continue to do and how many things you'll continue to do. We, um, we just ask that you bring praise to your name and glory to your name. In your name I pray, amen.